Amen. Hey, once again, we are in our study, this voodoo vampires and the rise of demon worship. We're in our study, world religions, cults, and the occult, and it is the 16th one. Remember that? How many of you guys remember? Remember, can you guys remember this? When it used to be one. Remember that? Back when you were 13? Yeah, it's been a while. That's right. We are on the 16th one, voodoo vampires and the rise of demon worship. Okay, and if you were here last time, we began to basically at the very core issue, we dealt with what? The existence of demons. Because we all know that everybody believes in demons. Certainly churches talk about it all the time. Are you kidding me? Unfortunately, we had to start there because what? Not only does 65% of the professing church not believe in a literal Satan. Are you kidding me? They don't even believe in demons either. And you wonder why everybody's getting whooped up on. Okay, these critters are real. Satan's one entity. Okay, there's oodles of these guys, hordes of them. And praise God, aren't you glad that there's two-thirds of the angels still with God? Only one-third went with Satan, so there's more angels. So we don't have to be afraid, but they're real, and they're really out there, and we need to deal with it. Why? Because preachers are just trying to scare you, rip you off of your cash. No, they're not, because if you're going to learn the Bible, you need to learn all the Bible, the whole counsel of God. And as we've been seeing, Old Testament, New Testament, guess what? Not only deals with Satan, they what? Deal with the existence of demons. So it's not there to freak you out, it's to get you equipped, Okay. So you're not always caught off guard. We saw that with the biblical proof, the societal proof, demons really are real. Now, tonight, we're going to move on to the second one. We know they're real, okay? But what about their character, right? What are they up to? What are they like? I mean, are they there to just help us along in our walk with Jesus? <clears throat> no. Holy angels, uh, Hebrew says, are sent to uh, minister to those who inherit salvation. And be careful with that. Because demons appear as, as Satan does, angels of light, and try to, it was an angel of God told me to tell you, to tell me, to tell you, to tell you, to tell, you know, so people can get crazy with the even angels, right? Okay, but demons are fallen angels. We established that last time. Okay, but what's their character? What are they up to? Okay, and this is what we're going to see tonight. The Bible's very clear. Uh, Satan not only has an evil character, right? But guess what? Shocker, so do the demons. There's nothing good about them. Not one ounce. All they do is cause trouble, havoc, destruction, just like their king, if you will, ruler, Satan. Okay? But as always, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. So open your Bibles to Revelation 16. Revelation 16 is our opening text tonight. And uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. If you find the dictionary, what do you do? Take a left. That's right. The prophet Vance has spoken tonight. And uh, take a left there. If you find Genesis, what do you do? Close it and open it up at the back, right? They're very hard right. I like that. And make that noise too. You guys ever do that when you drive? Yeah, I know you're out there, but you don't want to admit it. But anyway, that's right. So you guys are being prideful, and that means you're destined for a Nephilim cookie. Okay, it was cookie for me. I don't know what it is for you, but it's coming. You better, better get right with God tonight. But anyway, that's right. Let's move on. I stalled enough time. Revelation 16. Verses 1 through 14, here's what it says. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying, The seven angels, uh, to the seven angels, go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. Now, obviously, we're in the seven year tribulation. The church is not a part of this. And this is the final, that's it. I, it's over. This is done. This is at the very end of the seven year tribulation. You had the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgment. That's it. And after this, here comes the second coming of Jesus Christ. We return, Revelation 19, with the church. Uh, and uh, as the church. So he says this, go out and pour the seven bowls of God's what? Wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land and ugly painful sores broke out on uh, the people who had uh, uh, had the mark of the beast and worshiped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and turned it into blood. 
like that of a dead man. And listen, every living thing in the sea died. Now, in the trumpet judgments, it was bad enough. One-third of everything in the sea died, and then one-third of the waters became bitter. Many died. Okay, this is everything. Can you imagine as, how big is the ocean? What, 75% of the earth or whatever, roughly? Can you imagine every single thing in there? I mean, and this last time I checked, it's kind of deep, but everything died. Can you imagine the stench from that? It's going to happen. I'm not making this up. I just, man. Okay. And so then everything died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs and water, and they became blood, right? And then I heard an angel in charge of the water say, you are just, obviously speaking about God, are in these judgments, you who are and who were the Holy One, because you have so judged, for they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar uh, respond, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Now watch this. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. So God cranks up the heat. But what's after the context? The context is that's after every living thing in the sea died the stench from that. Then he takes away all the fresh water, thirsty, and then he cranks up the heat. This is a horrible time frame, folks. That's why Jesus said the seven-year tribulation is the worst time in the history of mankind. You don't want to be there. If God didn't keep it to just seven years, the entire human race would be destroyed. Jesus said that, Right? And then they were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they what? Refused to repent and glorify him. Man, that doesn't wake you up. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of the pains and the sores, but they what? They refused to repent of what they had done. So much for the human potential movement. Mankind is so wicked. Nothing wakes these people up. And we're going to see another reason why they still do not respond. Because we saw before, people can still get saved in the seven-year tribulation. The point is you should get saved now so you can avoid the whole thing, right? And we see that the gospel still goes forth with the 144,000 male Jewish witnesses, the two witnesses, Revelation 11, and the, the angel that declares the eternal gospel. But it says here, these people, they still would not repent. Wow, that's crazy. So let's continue on. And this is this, the sixth angel poured out his bowl in the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs and they came out of the mouth of the dragon defined as Satan in Revelation, out of the mouth of the beast or the Antichrist and out of the mouth of the false, false prophet. These are the spirits of what? Demons performing miraculous signs. They go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. In other words, they uh, gather them at the very end of the seven-year tribulation for the battle of Armageddon to try to take on God. Now, just and again, this is just this is after uh, the, all the sealed judgments. One fourth of the earth is annihilated. The trumpet judgments. Another third on top goes after that. And then here we are in the bowl judgment. How many guys would say the seven-year tribulation is a time that if you could avoid it, you should? Praise God, you can. It's through Jesus, right? Uh, and that's the good news. Okay, number one. Uh, it's a horrible time. But again, what they say, they refuse to repent. They refuse to repent. These people, I don't care what God did to get their attention, they still would not repent, okay? And, and one of the things it says there is what? Demonic spirits, even at the very end, dupe people to do the dumbest thing you could ever do, okay? And that was what? Let's all gather together and let's take on God because <laughs> that's really what's going on here. These deceiving demonic spirits came out via, through, working through, okay, uh, the dragon, Satan, the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet. I mean, the Pope. I mean, the false prophet. I mean, and so, uh, and they what? 
they literally duped the remaining people to the ultimate suicide mission. And if you continue to read Revelation, the Bible tells us it's a bloodbath. Uh, uh, I mean, from God's point, because you can't beat God. You'll never beat God. It's impossible to beat God. But he's, they're so seductive, they actually duped the plan to do that. And the Bible says the outcome. It says they're in the, the Megiddo there in that valley. I've, I've actually uh, been there, and you can look and see it. And it's just like, whoo. And you can see how it could fill up with blood. But basically, when you translate the Greek there, that is blood. When God gets done with these people, blood is going to be four feet high, okay, for 200 miles. You can't take on God. Now, here's my point. What an evil critter would do that? That's, that's an evil, what's that? That's an evil character that would dupe people into doing the dumbest thing ever. I mean, you think, I don't care how bad it is. Just, yeah, let's take on God. We'll beat God. <laughs> Who would fall for that? Well, somebody must be really sneaky, really cunning, really evil. It isn't just Satan, folks. That's what we're, and they were what? Spirits of demons. This is what demons do. This is just one little aspect uh, of their character. Okay, now the problem is people today, even in the church, they not only don't want to believe in the existence of demons, okay, but because they don't believe in the existence, they never study, they never talk about it, just like with Satan, right? And these demons and their evil character are having a heyday, and dare I say, even in the church, because they just don't take it real. And yet the scripture is very clear about it, okay? So we're going to get equipped tonight. We're going to take a look at the character of demons so that we don't get blindsided, so we know what to look for. God tells us these things in advance, not to freak us out and scare us out, okay, but to get us equipped so you don't fall for it. Again, I, I, just same thing with Satan. Does anybody like learning things the hard way? Isn't that awesome? You get up today and go, I want to learn something the hard way. I want to take 15 times falling down on my head, cracking my noggin until I get it right. Nobody does that. I hope not, right? Except for those of you who still keep eating chicken. I told you a hundred times. That's for another foul study. You got it. You guys are maturing. I feel satisfied as a shepherd right now. Let's move on before I get too sidetracked. But anyway, blindsided is where we're at. So God tells us in advance. So let's take a look at the biblical proof is the first thing of the character of demons, right? The Bible not only mentions, we saw last time, that demons are real, but Revelation 16 is just one of many, 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 many passages, Old and New Testament, that tell us the character of these critters that are really out there wreaking havoc, just like Satan, working with Satan, dare I say, we'll see, working as a team, working as an army, trying to mess things up, not just in the world, but even in the church. So let's begin to shred apart what the scripture talks about these things. They're real, but what, what's their character like? Should we mess with them? Are we, we, this is just a joke, you don't have to worry about it. No, this is real evil, folks. This is not a game. Right? I'm just going to highlight uh, the character. Number one, they're called intelligent, Mark chapter one. The, the rough meaning of the word demon, demonion in the Greek, means intelligent ones. These critters are intelligent. And plus, they really know us. They've had 6,000 years of watching us, generation after generation after generation, and they know what makes us tick. They know our strengths, they know our weaknesses. They're very intelligent. And dare I say, I always had an instructor, I remember he used to say this. He says, you know, Satan, as smart as he is, he doesn't even really have to be that intelligent because all he does is take the same traps that he used in a previous generation that worked, he repackages it, relabels it, and uses it the next generation. And especially if you never study your own history, if you don't understand biblical history or even the Bible that tells us in advance so you wouldn't fall for it, most people don't, so it just keeps working. He doesn't even have to be smart, but they're intelligent, uh, the Bible talks about. They also know their doom. They know they're headed for the lake of fire along with Satan, okay? But that's how stinking evil they are. That's their character. 
They're seeing how many people that they can do with them to join them in the lake of fire. Okay, but that's to whom we have to do it. They also know the plan of salvation. Even the demons believe in God, and they what? They ain't saved, but they shudder. They know where they're going, but they know it. And that's why they're flooding the church with so many false people we saw in our James study, in our scene in our James study, to mess up so people get the wrong plan of salvation so they join them in the lake of fire. They know the deed of Jesus. How many times do you read in the scripture? We know who you are, Jesus, the Holy One of God. You know, they, they know who he is. And isn't it funny that the demons know who Jesus is, but you have churches that say that deny him, deny him as the, as the son of God. And it's just, I wonder who put that idea in their head. Yeah. They know the deed of Jesus, Matthew 8, Mark 1. They seek to hinder the plan of God, Daniel 10, Revelation uh, 16. Again, the battle of Armageddon. <laughs> you ain't going to defeat God, right? But they do it anyway, right? They promote Satan's program in opposing God, Revelation chapter 12. They promote rebellion, Genesis chapter 3. They promote idolatry, Leviticus 17. They promote false religions, 1 John chapter 4. Satan not only is trying to pollute the, the church, and so that people, if they come in our midst, get a false Jesus and a false gospel, uh, but he's also, ever since the cross, he's out there launching, still to this day, as many different false religions, false paths, because there's only one way to heaven, it's right there at the cross. And so he's out there in the world and in the church trying to get people uh, to get a false religion, a false path. Uh, they torment and oppress people. First uh, Samuel 16, you see that character there. Uh, they wage war on believers. But again, Ephesians 6, do what God says, have a great day. Put on the whole armor of God, and you'll be able to stand when, not if, the day of evil comes. Uh, inflicts problems on believers. We certainly see that with Job, chapters 1 and 2, 2 Corinthians 12. Paul dealt with a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, a demon. They work in numbers, uh, Matthew 12. They work as a team. Do we do that as Christians? Teamwork makes the dream work. We all know the power of working together as a team. That's starting to sound like Kermit the Frog. Let's move off on that one. Uh, we all know the power of working like a team, right? And we could all just be, you know, working together in unison and whatever. Well, uh, of course, we laugh nervously because, unfortunately, in a lot of churches, you ain't working like a team, right? I always remember the, uh, an analogy, unfortunately, uh, uh, that you see like, a, you see birds, right? You see birds when they fly down south or wherever, right? And uh, they're, they're always like, and it's like they innately know that there's one lead bird, and then they're all forming a V, and they just, that's what they do. And they just go fly, and they follow the lead, but they work together as a team. And guess what? They get to point A to point B. It's very efficient, whatever. I think sometimes, if you guys ever grew up in the uh, Midwest, you ever run into these things? You ever run into gnats? Right? And as we all know, gnats are just very symmetrical. Are you kidding me? They're just a blob of... And they're kind of flying, but they're up and down. And here comes the cloud of gnats. And there doesn't seem to be any order or whatever. And they're just kind of blobbing around. I think a lot of churches do that, right? But you know what? Even the demons know the power of unity and working together. And that's what they do. And frankly, it's high time that we do the same, right? And, uh, and, and they tempt us to sin, Ephesians chapter 2. They uh, persecution, because we all know when people disagree with us and share the truth or flat out, flat out persecute us, it's always just natural, not always, right? I told you my story, but the more people witnessed me, the worse I got. But I think part of it was demonic hatred because I was infested with demons, right? And I just couldn't wait to persecute Christians. That wasn't natural, right? So some of that spiritual warfare you're experiencing there. Uh, they prevent uh, service. I ain't got time right now. I'm a little too busy. I ain't got, I'll serve Jesus next week. I'll show up. Where do you think that thought's coming from? It ain't the Spirit of God. Read your Bible, 1 Thessalonians 2. They disturb the church, 2 Corinthians 2. 
They cause trouble. Shocker, Judges chapter 9. They cause selfishness. I wonder why. First law of Satanism. Uh, and divisions in the church. James chapter 3. Playing favorites and all that. So, oh, and here we go. Pay attention to these next three. Mental disorders. Is that all? That's all it is. That person that's acting all weird, rolling around there, that's just a mental disorder, right? Maybe not. Luke chapter 8. Uh, irrational behavior. Well, that's just, you know, counterproductive behavior, right? That's just, you know, that's just all that is. A person's just, maybe, maybe not. Luke chapter 8. Cause suicidal mania. Mark chapter 9. This is just what you see in the scripture that demons will cause people to do, right? Thoughts of suicide and things of that nature. I'm sure it's just, you know, somebody dealing with some sort of disorder. Maybe, maybe not, right? But we downplay it, and we're going to kick that again tonight. So remember that. Mental disorders, irrational behavior, and suicidal mania. Inflict illnesses, Matthew 9, Luke 13. They inflict physical harm, Acts 19. They possess animals, Mark chapter 5. They promote false doctrine, shocker. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and they're the spirit behind false prophets. God told me to tell you and tell me. What's the Bible saying? I'm not going to go through our 42-week study on charismatic chaos again. Okay, but uh, when God told me to tell you, and the Bible says if you claim to be a prophet of God, okay, uh, that if you get one thing wrong, what's the Bible say? Read the Bible. They are stoned to death, right? And we're not talking about marijuana. We'll get into that later tonight. We're talking about actual rocks that will rock you to sleep. You're going to die, right? Now, praise God, aren't we glad that these people who claim to be prophets, they should celebrate the fact that we're not under the old covenant, right? But the, the, the remains that, and, and the Bible tells you why it was the death penalty, because you have the audacity to say, I'm the mouthpiece of God, and you got it wrong, which means that was not from the spirit of God. It was this spirit, a demon, and that you made God look like he can't be trusted, i.e. a liar. You deserve to die. God does not lie. He always only ever tells the truth. And yet even today, people are so fast and loose with that. And then even say, well, yeah, oh yeah, he got that wrong. He prophesied that uh, Trump was going to be back in office, you know, uh, before that. First of all, I don't think that that's been going on today. You want a word from God? Here you go, Right? I want to hear God's voice. Well, read the Bible. I want to hear God's voice out loud. Read it out loud. <laughs> right? Everything you need is right here. That's, all, that's everything you need. Right? But these God, God, told me, told me. And yet, these people will do this, even in our time, and it seems to be increasing, and yet people still support them. What are you doing? I'm not saying go stone them to death, but shut them off. That's it. That, who's behind all that? Isn't it just, wow, that, that's, that guy got it wrong. No, who's behind that? Read the Bible. Demons, the spirit behind false prophets, right? Influence nations. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, Daniel 10, Revelation 16. And I'm sure that uh, the current administration is probably not being influenced by anything spiritual. What's yeah, that's called sarcasm to make a point. Uh, yeah, hello. Okay, possess unbelievers. Because we saw if you're a believer, praise God, you can't be uh, possessed anymore. Mark 9 and uh, Matthew 9 and Mark 6, okay? But how many guys would say that the Bible gives us plenty of descriptions about the character of demons? And when you take a look at it, um, they're kind of some critters you need to pay attention to. Uh, and, and again, God tells us this in advance, what? To freak us out, to get us scared, so that the preachers can ask for money, you give it to them out of fear. That's what the world says, right? You guys are just trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to teach you the Bible. 
right? And the Bible says these things are evil. You don't want to mess with them. Just like Satan, shocker, just like Satan, they too have an evil character. And just like Satan, they're out there every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, seeking to do all those things all at the same time, whether you like it, believe it or not. Now, here's the point. Again, God tells us that in advance, and that's just 30. I just picked 30. That's not all of them. Old Testament, New Testament. That tells us about what demons are, what their character is about, so that we can be not blindsided, so we cannot be caught off guard, so we know what to look for, and then we can put it in the proper biblical paradigm. And again, I'll just use the example I just gave. When somebody comes out and says, God told me to tell you, and here's the prophecy for America, and he's going to do that, and it doesn't happen. Well, first of all, you shouldn't have listened anyway, because that's I'm convinced that's not going on today. Just read the Bible. What a concept. Since when did the Bible not become good enough for you? But even outside that, and they get it wrong, then you say what? It wasn't just they got it wrong. I'm going to shut you off, never going to listen to you, shouldn't listen to him in the first place. But guess what? That person is being led astray by demons, and demons are using that person to lead the church astray. That's what the Bible says, right? That's why you need to know this stuff, because it tells you what's happening behind the scenes with this kind of behavior in the church, out of the church, and I don't know about you, but that's valuable information. And it goes back to what Paul said in Ephesians 6. That's why he said, not all of our battles, not everything is from a demon, but not all of them are just physical. Sometimes it's spiritual. But if you don't understand the spiritual and how they're going to come at you or their character and what they do with that evil character, we're going to have a heyday with you, okay? Not only in the church, we don't know who our enemy is because we don't believe in him, Satan, or his evil cohorts, the demons. We don't even know what we're up against, right? Because we don't take the time to study the scripture about their evil character, right? Now, that's just the biblical proof, and that's our primary proof, right? Because the Bible is one that defines for us biblical truth, certainly on all things, certainly spiritual things, right? But I wanted to take some time here. Oh, that's, well, good thing it only happened in the Gospels. You know, the demon stuff and all the people riding around, the super strength and all. No, it goes on today on a big, big way. And that's what we're going to take a look now at the societal proof uh, about demons, okay? And let me pose the common sense question. If demons are real and they're really rotten to the cores, we just saw the Bible says about their character, Old Testament, New Testament, all the place. And there are a section of demons that are still able to roam. As we saw last time, some are permanently bound, some are temporary bound, but some still roam. That's what we're dealing with today, okay? Then uh, if that's the case, then they're probably out there messing things up on the planet. How many guys can realize that without any help, right? And guess what? There are. And if you get your head out of the sand, dare I say, even as a Christian, and again, don't go to the other extreme. The demon gave me a flat tire. The demon's forcing me to chew bubblegum. I can't quit. Oh, that's, you're, okay, now you're way over there. And you're waking up every day, oh, the demon's coming. The demon's, uh, I was just talking to somebody uh, tonight on the way in. I says, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not, don't take me wrong. I'm not toot my own horn. I certainly don't want another Nephilim cookie incident. But I'm just telling you, honestly, my focus every day when I get out of bed isn't, because oh, you know, I've heard people where I'm going with this, I've had people say, Pastor Bill, you've been preaching on you know, witchcraft and Satanism, and now you're on demons and voodoo and stuff, and they're going to get you, they're going to get you. I'm not saying that I haven't paid a price for that, but that's not my focus. And again, I don't, and this should be all of our focus. I don't get up every day going, the demons are going to get me, and I, I, if I start serving God, he's going to, uh. that's exactly what the enemy wants. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. If you wake up afraid, and if all you can think about is Satan this and demons that, and that, and that that's exactly what they want. That's not the spirit of God, right? But that's not my focus. My focus on it when I get up, and thank you, God, for saving me from hell. 
28 years ago on the corner of Auburn and Greenback in Citrus Heights, California. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins, God. Thank you for making me your child. Uh, today, would you use this life as an instrument of righteousness, not a wickedness, God? Would you please direct my footsteps according to your word? Let no sin rule over me. And, and my focus is on Christ. Now, if it so happens that that day, whatever, that spiritual warfare does come up, you deal with it biblically, move on, have a great day, get back on track with Jesus. That's it. It's really that simple if you just do what he says. Okay. But again, a lot of people, they either go the other extreme and they oh, demon, demon, and they're all freaking out. No. Or they act like it's not real. And it's real. And dare I say, if we're honest with ourselves, if we look in our society, even in America, where we are really in a state of denial, it's all over the place. I'm telling you, it's all over the place, okay? Demons are not just real, but they're really out there, folks, permeating their evil character across our planet. And here's what they want. They want us to emulate them, act like them, listen, even get possessed by them. And of course, I'm talking about the non-Christian. But that's what they're up to. That's what they're doing. Now, there's many different ways that they will do that, okay? I only have time to deal with one way, and dare I say the primary way that they seek entrance, either get to you and I to get us to sin, or for the non-Christian to get them to not only follow them, listen to them, emulate them and their evil character, but even be possessed by them. And the first one that we'll deal with is the issue of the mind. The mind is the entry point uh, where they're going to seek to, number one, tempt you, typically, right? And it could be an actual spiritual warfare issue. It could be something demonically uh, inspired outside of you, like just living in this wicked world system. What's the Bible say? Satan, the God, little g of this world, blinds the minds of those who don't believe. But he's out there in this wicked world system, right? Who do you think's behind all the the anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-Bible messages in the media and the billboards and society and people's behavior, the words coming out of their mouth, the music, the movies, all that. Who do you think is behind that? Exactly. And his what? Demons. It's not just Satan. It's, it's demons. He's got a whole bunch. He's got a whole network that he works with. They work together as a team, unfortunately. Okay? And uh, so guess what? And so here's the point. Those are primarily things that we see what? In our eyes. When something goes, you see it with your eye, then what's the next step? It goes into your brain. When you listen to something, right? Could not just music, ungodly music, could be something you're listening to via with your eyes. You know, uh, ungodly blasphemous words about God or Jesus Christ. They think they're making fun of them or using God's name in vain or something that seemingly innocuous is that. That's not innocuous, that's a sin, right? Or just flat out just leading you away into false paths, the false teachings, the false religions that we saw that demons do. And it could be somebody's conversation, right, at your workplace. That's lead. But when it goes not just in your eyes, it goes to your brain. It goes in your ears, and then where does it go? Into your brain, into your mind, right? The mind is the entry point where they seek to get a foothold, whether for a Christian to get you to sin, or if you're a non-Christian, ultimately, I'm convinced, they want to possess you. Now, that's why the Bible talks about you need to pay attention to your mind every single day because that's where it begins. That's the entry point. If you're not paying attention to your mind, you're going to be smacked around big time. All right, let's take a look at what the Bible says. First of all, again, the Bible says the enemy what? Blinds the what? The mind. Remember, it starts in the mind. That's why he's going after the mind, because that's the entry point, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world, this age, Satan, has blinded the what? The minds of the unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, Right? You ever witness to somebody and it's like, man, you're, you're, you're speaking words of truth, the power of God's word, the spirit of God's moving through you, whatever, but it's like it's bouncing off a brick wall. 
well, who do you think is blinding their mind? It's a, it's a spiritual issue that you're dealing with here, right? right? And, but praise God, God's more powerful, and that's what happened with me. I had people witness to me, and uh, in fact, the more they witnessed to me, verbally and externally, I was giving them all signs that it was making things worse. Unbeknownst to me spiritually, what was happening is they were doing what the Bible says, they were planting and watering seeds in my heart. So that at that point, when I was being saved, I knew exactly who to call upon from the witnessing. But again, the one who's, you're like, man, I'm talking to a brick wall. Why can't you listen? What is going on? Sometimes you ever been there? It's like a glazed look gets in their eyes, right? Or they start getting mad, right? That's from Satan. We, and so what's the Bible say? You counteract that. You what? You recapture the mind, right? Here's what we see, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You know, the false teaching, the false prophets, the false, all that stuff, the false religions, right? Uh, of the knowledge. And we what? We take captive every thought, i.e. your mind, and make it what? Obedient to Christ. So when something comes in your head that's not according to the word, that's why you need to renew your mind with the word of God. But if you don't renew your mind with the word of God, you still got all this baggage, and then you can't even decipher or discern because you discern via the word of God what's true, what's not true. And so the more you get into the word, then you can pay attention to your mind. And when a thought comes in that's unbiblical, you reject it. Because if you don't, you're going to be led astray in your brain. Not possession as a Christian, but you'll get tempted into a false path that was ultimately to destroy you, to get you to sin, things of that nature. So you take it uh, captive obedience. The enemy wants to literally destroy your mind. We saw this passage a couple of weeks ago, 2 Corinthians 11, 3. But I'm afraid, Paul says, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your what? Mind may be somehow led astray. In the Greek, it literally means to corrupt your mind or to destroy your mind from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ, right? That's not that big of a deal. I'll, 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 I'll read the Bible, you know, next. I'll make it, I, I missed this January. Next January, I'm going to start reading through the Bible, all right? And then I'm going to, no, no, I, I, it's, I just got to make it, you know, in, in a couple months, things are going to calm down. And then that's when I'm going to get plugged into the church. I'm going to start going to, what a concept. You can go to other services besides Sunday, and again, I'll say it again. Where is everybody? Why don't we have the same attendance on Wednesdays as Sunday? Is it really that bad on Wednesdays? I try to wear different jackets, so it's not, you know, <laughs> what's going on? And especially these studies. You'd think that you'd want to learn. Think about it. Who do you think's keeping people with all those excuses through their brains why they can't make it? Uh, it's, it's a 35-minute drive. I don't care. All the, where do you think that excuse came from? You had plans to do it. You had plans to not attend service. You had plans to serve in the church. You had plans to read the Bible. You had plans to witness. And then you always get talked out of it. Where do you think that started? Right here. Somebody put that thought. And guess what? You didn't reject it. You didn't bring that thought captain to obedience, right? But he wants to destroy you. He can't take away your salvation, but he'll destroy your walk, your service with Jesus Christ. And you know where it starts? The Bible tells us your mind. So pay attention to your mind. Be careful. Got to filter it. And so what's he say? Recontrol. We counteract right? In the mind, Philippians 4, 7 through 8. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, meaning it doesn't always have to make sense. God's so powerful, he could put you in a spiritual state of peace, even in the midst of turmoil. Isn't that awesome? Which transcends all understanding, which will guard your hearts and your what? Minds in Christ Jesus. Well, how can I be in a state where my mind and my heart is guarded in Christ Jesus? You put in your mind the things of God. That's why he says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is what? True, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whether it's pure, whether it's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? 
think your brain, put that in your brain. Think on these things. And obviously that which is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy, that's obviously Hollywood. That's social media, right? That's exactly what that is. That's what we should be putting in our minds. No. That's this right here. The more you put this in your brain, you know what the payoff is? Even in the midst of turmoil, man, your mind is focused on Christ. He's guarding your heart and your mind in him. You got his peace. Have a great day. It's really that simple. The Amy Notley does not want people to turn to Christ. But even after you turn to Christ, you know what he doesn't want you to do? He doesn't want you to pray to God. And he'll do anything to keep you out of this book. This is the only book on the planet that will unbrainwash you from the brainwashing we're receiving 24 hours a day, seven days a week from the evil one. That's why every time you have good intentions to get in here or to go to studies that will get you in here, there's always something to try to get you not to do it. That ain't the spirit of God. So again, you'll never know that if you what? Don't take the time to stay, okay? But that's where it is. It's a battle of the mind. The enemy wants to get us uh, under his sway Again, he can't possess you as a Christian, but he'll get you to go down path. And it starts in the mind. Now, back to the mind. I only got one time to do a subsection with the mind. The first way that he will try to influence your mind, and this is, I would say this is the, this is the rapid way, right? Because sometimes the enemy, what he'll do is he'll put a thought in your brain. And if you don't recapture, bring it obedient to Christ, align it with the word of God. And if you don't have a habit of already putting only that which is excellent, praiseworthy, true, i.e. the word of God in your brain, something's going to go in there. And, and, and little by little, it, it starts to get you off track, right? Again, I've shared the analogy. I had an instructor always say it, and he was a pilot. He said, uh, here, here I am in Dallas, and then I'm going to go fly all the way to uh, Kansas City over here. And, uh, but I was 1% off on my trajectory when I took off. Doesn't sound like much, but you extrapolate over distance, right, and time. And how close do you think 1% off is going to get you from Dallas to KC? You're going to be way over here. You'll never even come close to your destination, even though it seems like a small thing. And that's what the enemy does. It just seems like a small thing, just a little, little deviation from what God says to do. It's not a big deal, right? You still feel okay in your walk with Christ. You extrapolate that over time and distance, and you ever get to that point where it feels like God's a million miles away? And what's the response biblically? If it ever feels like God's a million miles away, guess who moved? Not God, you did. And so, so But see, that takes time and distance. What I'm talking about is one of the fastest ways he can get people, and specifically uh, non-Christians, and that's with drugs. Drugs are one of the fastest ways uh, that the enemy will open your mind to literally be led astray. And dare I say, become flat out possessed as a non-Christian. Now, the, the uh, incredible thing is, if you read the Word of God, which I highly recommend, uh, you'll see that this is actually a technique the enemy is going to use, and it's going to permeate the planet, specifically in the last days. Let's look at another reason why these people in the seven-year tribulation will not repent, right? Not just their hearts were hard, their minds were all messed up with, guess what? Rhymes with drugs. Revelation 9, 20 and 21. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues, here's that word again, still did not what? Repent. They still wouldn't get right with God, even in the midst of all these judgments. Why not? Well, he tells us another answer. They still would not repent. They work in their hands. They did not stop what? Worshiping demons, Pastor Billy, I thought you just came up with that as a, a really crazy eclectic title to sell DVDs. No, demon worship is a biblical concept that's specifically going to be on the rise in the last days. It's going to be part of the culture of the seven-year tribulation. That's where it comes from, right? Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, 
their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Gee, I wonder why they were so full of murders and uh, sexual immorality and thievery and whatever. That sounds like something demons would inspire you to do as you worship them because that's what Satan is. He's a liar and the father of lies and a murderer. It's all starting to make sense. But what's that word there? Magic arts in that translation there, as we saw before, is the Greek word pharmakeia, which is the English word for pharmacy. And we all know we go to the pharmacy to get our oil changed in the car. No, the pharmacy is where we get what? Drugs. That's where that word comes from. So that's really what's going on here. As you see in that text, these people uh, apparently in the seven-year tribulation refuse to repent and get right with God, not just because their heart's hard. That's uh, an aspect. And, uh, and certainly they sealed their fate when they took that mark of the beast. You're doomed straight to hell. The scripture is very clear about that. Okay. But it says here that apparently they must not be thinking straight because they're not only worshiping demons, but they also got them into a state, and maybe that's part of the worship aspect we'll see in a second, is because they got them to use a bunch of drugs. And we all know that every drug under the sun is always good for you, and uh, it never clouds your mind, it never alters your judgment, it never turns you into some sort of an animal or a beast to do wicked things and murders and thievery and... Yeah. The demons are apparently, according to the scripture, going to inspire a massive amount of not just drug usage, but what's the context? Global drug usage. Is there any entities out there right now that isn't just making trillions of dollars off of promoting drugs, but they're so big that they are actually called just that? Big Pharma. And it's a global movement that is being pushed around the planet. And what are they pushing? Drugs, right? I'm sure that's, there's no demon behind that. But, but you see, well, okay, why are you serious? There's going to be drugs all over the place, clouding people's minds, making them do some freaky, murderous, horrible, rotten behavior, dare I say demonic behavior, in the seven-year tribulation. Well, that's in the seven-year tribulation. We're not there and the church isn't going to be part of it, but do we see any signs of that? <laughs> Obviously not. I mean, nobody's doing drugs nowadays. Are you kidding me? What's out there? Now we're even numb to it, no pun intended, to all the drug usage going out there, all right? We got eternal on TV or what? It's drug this, drug that, drug problem here, drug raid, drug in the schools, drugs in the home, drugs in the streets, drugs in the government, drugs in the world, and, and all kinds of horrible drugs being invented, right? And they're just, we just turn the channel. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine, no, this is a sign of we're living in the last days. That's what you can expect across the planet. And it's doing exactly what the scripture says. It's going to turn these people into monsters, right? And uh, one of them, uh, uh, designer drugs, that's the latest thing, it's designer drugs, right? One's called crocodile, and it's called crocodile because it turns people into like crocodiles. Quote, it, it turns their skin greenish and scaly in appearance, in appearance, it causes their blood vessels, vessels to rupture. It kills the surrounding tissue, and it creates huge chunks of dead flesh that appear on their bodies like a zombie. You ever wonder why they push those movies? I mean, it's just like, zombies, really? That's the latest craze? We've got people that dress up like zombies. They have zombie parties, zombie fairs, zombie this. And it's like, how do you get in? First of all, as a Christian, how can you get into that, number one? But how do you even get into that? How did that become cool? I mean, that was back in the 50s with, remember the, the mummy, Ooh, which was always dumb because were you guys as a kid there going like, you guys are stupid, man, because if that really happened to me, and if I was really in that pyramid, I'd be running so fast. 
man, I'd be 100 miles ahead of that thing before he turned the corner because that's how fast they move. Oh, oh, you, really, you can't outrun that? I don't care if he fell 15 times. He can't catch you. But oh, no. Oh, oh. Remember, but remember, all, it was, oh, those are cheap. Those are dumb. And same thing with zombies. But today... It's just like, man, that's the coolest thing ever. Zombie, uh, zombie movie, this, this, uh. Are you preparing us for something? Hollywood? You get these kind of crazy drugs going across the planet, and you know what? People are going to act like they're going to... Some drugs, as you've seen in the news, they're causing people not to just have scaly, like looking like zombies. They eat people's faces off. This is what's going on. Now, remember, we're out of here before the restraining influence. So imagine there's no restraint and it's all whatever you want to do, whatever you want to take. It's going to be a horrible time frame, right? But that's just a crocodile. And they said, quote, once you're an addict using this stuff at this level, and I quote, any rational thinking does not apply. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Okay. Uh, there's another drug out there that they're saying that uh, is now the nail in the coffin, that I believe is giving rise to Revelation 9, where we're going to see drug usage on a massive scale across the planet. Of course, that drug, they say, is a gateway drug, and they say it's now being legalized, and the more it gets legalized, uh, it's going to lead to an explosion of drugs like we've never seen before in the history of mankind. And of course, I'm talking about marijuana. And you'd be surprised at how many Christians are falling, in my opinion, on the wrong side of that issue. Having been there, done that, wish I went and bought the T-shirt, that's exactly what it is. You think it's cool, you're just getting high, you're just checking out, taking a trip, do all that stuff. But you know what? Guess what? You start doing that one, it isn't just enough getting high and getting drunk. Then you need something else. And then you try something else. And then you, it's just a gateway. And this is secular researchers, guys. They're saying the same thing. And the more this thing is getting legalized, it's all over the place. We just had, uh, not too far from our house, we, we were like, a, there was a, a new building was being built next to like Dairy Queen. We got a Del Taco and a Dairy Queen. And we're going like, oh, I hope they do something good, like a Carl's Jr. or something like that. It's, like, it's a cannabis store. It's like, what? These things are popping up all over. What are you talking about? Right? I don't care if it's legal. It doesn't mean it's good for you. Okay? Now, and I quote, and you know, oh, it's just, it makes people more peaceful and they're better drivers and they're more cooperative. Are you kidding me? I've been there, done that. I wish I wouldn't buy the t-shirt. You're out of your mind. Especially when you lace it with some other stuff and other strong... Anyway, this is some headlines. Quote, since a marijuana has been legalized, and there seems to be no stopping it, apparently, because they figured out a way to make money and tax it. Quote, crime rates have gone up. So it isn't making things better. It's making it worse. Remember, what was the thing on Revolution? Thefts. Crime rates have gone up, as well as homelessness. Don't need to work. Just go get high. Right? And it's causing more deaths. Oh, it's a safe one. People are they're calm when they quote, pot fuel surge and drug driving deaths. Right? It doesn't make you a safer driver. Been there, done that. You, you, by the grace of God, you got home. You don't even remember going home. You were. And Vance just sent me this two weeks ago headline cannabis users hospitalized with psychiatric uh, issues up 74%. Messing with your brain. And can I tell you something? That's what the enemy wants. Drug usage has gone ballistic, right? In fact, right now, uh, that's just, uh, quote, uh, a drug that's being legalized that used to be illegal. But it's a gateway drug, and drug usage across the board has gone crazy. 22 million people in the United States right now are doing illegal drugs. The number, one, uh, the number of heroin uh, addicts in the United States doubled 
uh, has more than doubled since 2002. The number of heroin-related deaths is up 84% since 2010. Uh, kids now in grade schools are doing crystal meth. And, and you wonder why. It says, well, you legalize this drug that used to be illegal, and you think it's okay. And then, oh, by the way, they even put it in little gummy worms. They even have cannabis uh, vending machines that make it easy. And you really think that's not going to encourage kids, the younger generation, to go? It, it's nuts, okay? But I don't know about you, but I am so glad that the church is holding strong on this issue. You talk about under demonic attack, the church has gone south. In fact, just like I said, demon worship, and they're going to be doing drugs and murders and sexual immorality and thievery all combined, and the drugs. This has now become a new form of worship in the church. Watch this. This is crazy. Legalization of marijuana has been sung about by Peter Tosh, but who'd have thought that television evangelist Pat Robertson would now support the idea? I became sort of a hero of the hippie culture, I guess, when I said I think we ought to decriminalize the possession of, uh, of marijuana. But another group is using the law to start a brand new church. In fact, church members say they love cannabis. But the Night Beach, David McNally says not everyone is happy to have them in their Southeast Side neighborhood. Others have a place, but where is ours? The International Church of Cannabis is a 13,000 square foot space located in Denver, Colorado. That is the first large venue in the world where adults can legally consume cannabis in a social environment. Our church is the spiritual home to adults everywhere who ritually take the sacred flower to find inspiration and meaning. We are Elevationists, an open-minded congregation that welcomes people of all faiths and cultures to join us as we partake of the sacred flower with you, our brothers and sisters. That flock from as far away as Montana. I've never seen a church like this and I used to smoke pot. Welcome to the first church of Kansas. No, I hitchhiked 978 miles to get here, and I'd do it all over again. To have people come up to you and say, hi, and I just traveled a thousand miles to share love with you. You know, it's like, wow. That's Macaulay right there. He's aged a little bit, but wow, man. Hey, attendance is down, man. What are we going to do? I don't know. Let's start doing pot. As crazy as that statement was, they're doing it. I get it. The guy said, I'll travel a thousand miles. And notice it was of all faith. What's the other thing that's going to be going on in the seven-year tribulation? One world government, one world economy, mark of the beast, one world religion. And this becomes the new form of worship. And what they do, they worship demons, leads them into drug usage, into thievery, sexual immorality, murders, and see no signs. But here's the point. It's not just that the people are doing drugs. It's what? It's back to this issue, the mind. It isn't just you're taking a physical trip. Oh, I'm just relaxing. I'm just chilling out. No, you're not. Been there, done that. Wish I wasn't about the t-shirt. You are opening up spiritual doors. It's not just physical. It's spiritual. This is one of the classic ways to do that. In the occult, we saw this in witchcraft. We saw that in Satanism. It's the same thing with demon worship. One of the ways that they can get you under their sway is to get into your mind. 
And as we saw before, it's not the slow trajectory, little by little, gets you off track with these temptations and whatever. But if they can get you to do drugs, bang, you're there. Especially if you're there as a non-Christian, oh, you could be possessed lickety split. And this is not a foreign concept, if you understand. The occult has been doing this for years. The American Indians, the shamans, the witch doctors, what? They take what? Peyote, mescaline, what? To put them in a state very quickly to commune with the spirits, the great white buffalo. That's a demon, right? Drugs are one of the fastest ways to get people into an altered state of consciousness so that then demons can start ticking off the neurons in your brain and, or dare I say, open up spiritual doors and you're going to get possessed, okay? Other ways, and we'll get into this more probably in a future study, uh, not just drugs, that's one way. Hypnotism, that's encouraged in psycho, keyword there, psychotherapy. Uh, repetitive movement, up and down, like the uh, Hindus, yogis do, right? Uh, repetitive speech, like the Hare Krishnas, that say their mantra over and over and over and over again, right? Uh, you also, certain uh, body postures, physical stretches, like yoga, which means to yoke, and these physical postures, and by the way, a lot of them are what's called the snake posture, like a snake, I wonder who's inspiring that, but there's a, you can physically get yourself into an altered state of consciousness. That's what yoga's goal is, to yoke with the Hindu deities, which are demons. Uh, you could do it through breathing, exercise, meditation, all that. All those get you into an altered state of consciousness in your mind, and when your mind opens up, these things cannot just lead you astray. If you're a non-Christian, they can possess you. Now, I'm not the only one that's convinced of that. Uh, so is Dave Hunt. Let's take a look at that. No one knows what hypnosis is. No one knows what goes on in the mind. It's a altered state of consciousness like yogis and uh, witch doctors have been practicing. Uh, it loosens the normal connection between your spirit and your brain and of course if the hypnotist can control you, make all kinds of suggestions, make you think uh, things are happening that are not happening, make you think you have powers that you don't, experiences that you haven't, even implant memories, uh, other beings, if there are other minds out there, they could also do the same thing. Sir John Eccles, Nobel Prize winner for his research on the brain, describes the brain as, quote, a machine that a ghost can operate, unquote. What he means by that is your spirit operates your brain in a normal state of consciousness, in an altered state, reached under yoga, a TM, hypnosis, uh, you have loosened the normal connection between your spirit and your brain and that allows another spirit, other entities, other minds to interpose themselves and begin to tick off the neurons in your brain, create a, a universe of illusion. I believe that it's demonic. I think all of the evidence indicates this. Yeah. So again, there's many different ways to get into altered state of consciousness so that these things can start messing with your mind and enter into your mind uh, and drugs are one of them. And let me just give you a couple quick examples. Another uh, new designer drug out there uh, is called Flaca. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's been out for a couple of years now. And uh, you tell me, having been there, done that, you tell me that these people, it isn't just a physical trip. It isn't just like, wow, that's some, that's some aberrant antisocial behavior. No, these people, they took this drug, you're possessed. You got superhuman strength. People can't even tackle you. It's, this is demonic possession via a drug. Watch this. This is what Flaca does to you. A new synthetic killer drug known as Flaca is spreading rapidly across the United States and already causing an epidemic of overdose fatalities and acts of violence. We're talking about Flaca. Flaca. The drug is called Flaca. 
Some have dubbed it the insanity drug. And it's everywhere. It's been described as the scariest drug in the world. More powerful than heroin or cocaine. This is a synthetic drug that can alter your state of mind, raising excited delirium, body temperature, and literally losing their mind. They're all experiencing like superhuman kind of strengths. Or it takes six policemen to hold them down, that's a problem. Psychotic breakdowns, hallucinations, aggressive, violent behavior, cannibalism and self-mutilation, indiscriminate violence, when Flocka takes over. We are living in the context of the end of the age. We are a nation under judgment. Welcome to stage one of the zombie apocalypse. It's been long theorized that controlled substances can bring people closer to the spirit world. Sometimes, however, what comes out of that experience isn't what you'd expect. And right now, our society is being plagued, dominated by an epidemic of controlled substances. In the 1970s, people were talking about peace and love, but nowadays people are coming back from bad trips and total psychosis. The number of overdoses are up, as are the cases of total zombification, i.e. demonic possession. So even the secular community seems to get it. Drugs do what? That's possession, man. Read that in the gospel. That's what you see. Superhuman strength, crazy, can't hold the people down. They bust through their chains, all that stuff. But no, hey, demons aren't real. Drugs are used you know, for entertainment. No big deal. Can you imagine a whole planet of people like that? You know what's coming? Revelation 9. That is what the planet's going to be crawling with. No wonder you don't want to be there. Worst time in the history of mankind, Jesus said. All right, real quick. Uh, the other way they're doing it is not just demonic drugs. They're doing it with demonic teaching. Because what we've been focused on so far uh, is the aspect of what's called legal drugs or illegal drugs or designer drugs or what was legal or illegal before marijuana and now made legal, whatever. But now I want to deal with uh, the guys that are out there, big pharma, who are pushing major mega psychotropic drugs that are doing just as much damage as that video you just saw, but they're getting away with it, right? And they're helping to promote this massive rise of drug use, right? And of course, it comes from a demonic teaching, right? First Timothy 4, 1 says, The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times that some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things what? Taught by demons. Now, as you saw with that picture, uh, that was Sigmund Freud, the, one of the founders of secular psychology. We've dealt with this before. We're going to hit it real quick again because uh, we're in that context again to prove the point. But these guys were not only receiving their so-called secular psychology from demons, and Lord willing, in a couple studies, I'm going to hit it again with even more proof that these guys were being inspired by demons, okay, with their anti-God, whatever, but also with this pushing of drugs, right, that is opening people up to this kind of uh, demonic behavior, okay? Uh, they were not only involved with demonic practices, they got their teaching from demons, and they too push uh, demonic uh, drugs that are messing with people, okay? In fact, let me, uh, you know, people say, well, uh, at least what I'm doing, I'm not doing marijuana, you know, uh, just because it's legal, I still think it's not a good thing to do. I'm not doing flack. I'm not doing crocodile. I'm not doing uh, designer drugs, illegal drugs. I just take prescription drugs. Well, let me challenge you with this thought. Just because it's legal, does that mean it's good for you? Now, I will do a caveat here real quick. I'm not against all drugs. Me personally, maybe it's just me, maybe you're different, but I'm very glad that the hospital puts a drug in me right before they do surgery. I don't know about you, it kind of ruins the day a little bit, but when you go in for surgery and you have no drugs, it's really kind of a pain in the neck. You just lay in there going, Aah! 
as they could. I, I don't like doing that. I like taking a nap. So give me a break. I'm not, again, I'm not anti, there's some benefits with that. But this isn't what I'm talking about. This is not what's going on here. These guys, secular psychology, here in a second, you'll see the proof. They not only got their teachings from demons, they not only pushed demonic drugs that open people up mentally to do the demonic behavior of Revelation 9, but now it's a global movement. They work with these guys and created these guys called Big Pharma that's pushing this across the world. So it's the other aspect. It's not just the people like, yeah, it's those rebellious young kids all doing all these illegal drugs or smoking marijuana and it shouldn't be legal in the first place, and, but I'm just doing prescription drugs and that doesn't mean they're good for you, right? In fact, let's see how much the planet is being drugged with so-called legal drugs, right? According to the Mayo Clinic, nearly 70% of all Americans are on at least one prescription drug. 20% of all Americans are on at least five prescription drugs. One out of every five. Americans spend more than $280 billion on prescription drugs each year. That's not counting the illegal ones or marijuana or none of that stuff. That's just prescription drugs. Right now, there's 70 million Americans on what? Mind-altering drugs, one form or another. In the United States today, prescription painkillers kill more Americans than heroin and cocaine combined. And America right now has the highest rate of illegal drug use on the entire planet. Okay? And the secular guys are saying... These psychotropic drugs, a lot of them coming from guess who? That's right, not just big pharma, but they're working with the secular psychologists. And that's what is causing these mass murders and school shootings. They're taking the medications that the secular psychologist says you need to fix your mental illness. And the secular people are now saying, no, that's what's causing them to murder people just like Revelation 9 said, and want to commit suicide. Watch this. Most violent outbreaks in recent years have involved guns, and new information indicates there's often another common thread, antidepressants. From Columbine to Aurora, the Naval Yard to Fort Hood, antidepressants have been linked to violence. For decades, psychiatrist Peter Bregan has studied this link. That these drugs are causing agitation, anxiety, insomnia, hostility, aggression, mania. Antidepressants work on the brain, thereby altering the way people think. In addition to driving the person with this amphetamine-like effect, the antidepressants kind of do a bit of a lobotomy. You lose your empathy. You lose your caring. In his book, Medication Madness, Dr. Bregan cites real-life examples of violence that could be blamed on antidepressants. If an engineer who was given Paxil probably to help stop smoking, maybe for some tension, certainly not for any mental disorder, and within a couple of doses, he drowned his two children and himself in a tub. I wonder where that idea came from. How could that enter your mind? These drugs ain't helping people. They're opening their mind. Where's the enemy go? Mind. Occult techniques. What's the fastest way to commune with demons? Open up the doors for demons? And they want to. Is what? Not just the repetitive movement, speech, postures. It's drugs. These drugs are opening people to do some pretty demonic behavior. That's sick. And these guys are getting away with it. And again, this is why they put the legal disclaimer. Have you noticed that? He mentioned Paxil, right? And he mentioned uh, maybe to stop smoking or whatever it is. Have you seen those things? 
to, to legally so they can't be sued. They, when they have the commercial, by the way, they, 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 in, in another voice, very quick, even faster than I can speak, and that's pretty fast, right? They, they have the guy in the background, a person or whatever, a cartoon character, or some turkey walking around, you know, whatever, and, and it's all designed to distract you as they're given the legal disclaimer. Take this drug, and it's either going to help you stop smoking, or this one's going to get rid of your depression. And what do they say? Uh, its side effects are liver disease, heart disease, lung disease, typhoid, foot fungus, even more de uh, depression, thoughts of suicide, anger, rage, and it wants you to kill people. Nine ninety-five. Just call your doctor today and get your prescription. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's good for you, and it won't open your brain uh, to mother. And, and just real quick, we got to blow through this again because you go, "Well, second psychology." Yeah, these guys were demonic, and they themselves not only inspired their teachings from demons, they admit, but guess what? They were drug users themselves. And so, is it any shocker that their industry, working with big pharma, is pushing drugs which are opening people's minds to do rotten things, leading to the Revelation Nine society? Do the homework; it all fits together. Sigmund Freud was an evolution believed that man was a, uh, evolved from lower animals, and that the idea of an almighty God was just a myth made up by our forefathers to cope with life, and the religion must be destroyed. And I'm going to listen to his advice over the Word of God. As a Christian, you got to be kidding me. At the same time, he was deeply involved in the occult, and he consulted soothsayers. And we're going to get into all this when this craze was going through America, uh, Lord one, who were alleged to have telepathic powers. He was an honorary fellow of the American Society of Psychical Research. He remarked that if he could live his life over, he would devote his whole life to psychical, i.e. spiritual, research rather than psychoanalysis. He loved the occult better. Not only was he deeply involved in the occult, he was very enthusiastic. We'll get into this again later, uh, about the health benefits of cocaine. And he was also a user for himself for many years, and he admitted he used it to aid in his work. So his thoughts were inspired by cocaine. And I'm going to listen to a cocaine addict over the Word of God? you got to be kidding me. But that's not the only drug. He was also severely addicted to nicotine. He smoked on average 20 cigars a day, which eventually led to his death. And I'm going to go to that guy for advice when I'm having trouble, problems with a temptation or whatever. Are you kidding me? This is nuts. Okay, and so basically the founders of modern secular psychology had a severe drug problem and uh, even thought that dangerous drugs would somehow benefit others. So is any one of that today's modern uh, psychology is following the footsteps and pushing these dangerous drugs? It's the same thing. Know the man, know the history, and this is where we're at. Okay, now let's go even further. Abraham Maslow said, and again, these are the pillars of secular psychology, that his life's work uh, was motivated by his absolute hatred of his mother, direct quote. And I'm going to listen to you for family advice. Where's that hatred coming from? It ain't coming from God. He believed that in order for people to be fulfilled, self comes first. What's that? That's the first law of Satanism. I wonder who put that idea in his head. And one needs to esteem themselves above all and meet all self needs first before they can love other people and have a fulfilling life. So what the Bible says, in fact, it's the exact opposite. Shocker. The Bible says if you want the greatest fulfilled life, you love God first, then your neighbor second, and you esteem others better than yourself, and then you deny yourself and be willing to suffer for the sake of God if need be. That's what the Bible says. Karen Horney, she suffered severe bouts of depression Okay, throughout her life. She even attempted suicide. Oh, and I'm going to go to you for times in trouble and your so-called wisdom? She was unfaithful to her husband. She even got into lesbianism. Towards the end of her life, again, she merged the spiritual, the demonic, she got interested in Zen Buddhism, trying to connect psychological analysis with meditation, trying to merge the two. And I'm going to go to you. 
and let me kick him again, Carl Jung, Carl Jung, however you want to pronounce his name. He made, it's on record, a wooden man out of a ruler that he called mannequin. He kept it in a wooden case and frequently talked to it in times of trouble. I'm going to go to this guy and listen to his advice. If you go to a secular psychologist, they are trained in school. You have to pick one of these pillars as your mode of operation. You're going to be a Freudian psychologist. You're going to be a Jungian psychologist. Which one are you, are you going to follow Maslow? Which one are you going to follow? They, they tell them you have got to pick one of these guys. I'm going to listen to a guy who talked to a ruler in a box. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. He even had a mystical experience while sitting on a rock where he said he couldn't tell if he was the rock or the rock was him. Yeah, you fell off the rock. Later, he had what was considered, and this is his words in his writing, he had a major breakthrough in life when he supposedly had a vision of God going, he was God supposedly in the clouds, going to the bathroom on a church sanctuary, and that was a major breakthrough in his life. He was also completely absorbed, like Freud, in the occult, even more so, studied their teachings, attended seances, listened to mediums, practiced necromancy. He had daily contact with disembodied spirits. He called archetypes. The Bible calls them demons. One of them he called Philemon, and this is what he says. This is from uh, Young. Philemon and other figures of my fantasies brought home to me the crucial insight that there are things in the psyche, the mind, which I do not produce, but which produce themselves and have their own life. So he admitted, these things are influencing my what? My mind. That's where he got his ideas from demons. And what did Paul say? Things taught by demons. Philemon, he said, represented a force which was not myself. In my fantasies, I held conversations with him. He said things which I had not consciously thought. Again, he missed. These are not his own thoughts. They came from this demon. For I observed clearly that it was he who spoke, not I. Philemon was a mysterious figure, went walking up and down the garden with him. To me, he was called what the Indians call a guru. It's what the Bible calls a demon. He also had another one. He was in contact with many demons. Another one, you give him a name, it makes it okay. No, it's still a demon. He called another one Basileides and it inspired Young to do his famous work, quote, The Seven Sermons to the Dead. He even, I said, he started writing this book uh, right after a bunch of demonic activity. And I quote, Then it was as if my house began to be haunted. My eldest daughter saw a white figure passing through the room. My second daughter, independent of her sister, related that twice in the night her blanket had been snatched away. And that same night, my nine-year-old son had an anxiety dream. Around five o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, the front doorbell began ringing frantically. It was a bright summer day. The two maids were in the kitchen from which the open square outside for the front door could be seen. Everyone immediately looked to see who was there, but there was no one in sight. I was sitting near the doorbell and not only heard it, but saw it moving. We all simply stared at one another. Over the next three evenings, the book was written, and listen, as soon as he had begun to write, quote, the whole ghostly assemblage evaporated, the room quieted, and the atmosphere clean, quote, cleared, quote, the haunting was over. This guy was probably demon-possessed. Bare minimum, he was inspired by demons, and I'm going to listen to him for any kind of advice. Dare I say, we have it now in the church. The church actually today is now drilled into pastors coming out of Bible college and seminary. You are not capable of giving people counsel for their problems, even their mental problems. Well, excuse me, the scripture was perfectly fine for 1,900 years before cocaine addicts and God-hating demon-inspired men came along. But this is the rage in the church. And you hear people say, well, I just, I don't have the ability to counsel you. Then you better get in the word of God. The word of God is sufficient. All we need for life and godliness is in the scripture. If you're getting on track, you want freedom, you want health, you want, dare I say, mental health, you want a right mind, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, hey, Christ can guard your heart and mind in him. Get in the word, right? 
Philemon vastly, that was just two of the spirit guides. Uh, he had a whole bunch, another one, one he named Salome, he had a bunch of them. Uh, he admitted, quote, these conversations with the dead, i.e. demons, formed a kind of prelude to what I had to communicate to the world about the unconscious. Listen, all my works, all my creative activity has come from what? From these guys. He admits his work came from what? Teachings from demons. And this is why they say Jung, in essence, uh, one of the big pillars of psychology outside of Freud and others, he's the father of new age and giving a theoretical framework for channeling and other demonic new age practices. And guess what? Is it any shocker that these guys are one of the biggest promoters of drugs that mess with your mind that open you up for demonic behavior, including killing people? Here's what's really going on in the psychiatric industry, and they're getting away with it just like Big Pharma is, right? Watch this.
say so. How many guys would say that uh, these secular psychologists got some psychological problems? And what the Bible said in the last days? Can you believe this? Even the church would fall for it, apparently. The Spirit clearly says in the latter times, some are going to abandon the faith. Here it is. They're going to walk away from the Bible. And you know what they're going to follow instead? Deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Secular psychology is clearly a teaching that came from demons. That these guys know better than the Word of God. And they also produce drugs. And then the irony is, they not only got their thoughts from demons, leading people away from the Bible, but these demons have these guys trying to get us to think with their mind that drugs exist to give us better mental health and more joy, when in reality, it's an old-fashioned technique to get you possessed or led astray in your mind. And the only way you would know that is not only understand the scripture about spiritual warfare and the occult, like the studies we're doing, but what's the scripture say? Where's the enemy going to go? With your mind. But if you never study it, then you can't see why are they doing all this. And then the Bible even tells us where all this is headed. Where's it going? Revelation 9. How in the world is the whole planet going to get infected with drug usage that they'll literally worship demons, be doing drugs, and they'll commit sexual morality, thievery, and murder? Folks, it's happening before our eyes. And it ain't just the illegal drugs. It's that which is considered legal is messing people up just as bad. But it's all part of the demonic deception. But hey, don't worry. Satan and demons are figment of your imagination, scare tactic from preachers. These guys aren't real. You don't have to worry about them trying to get you and dupe you. Yeah, that's why we're doing the study. And that's why God tells us in advance, so that we're not caught off guard. Lord willing, next time, we're going to be dealing with the third aspect, and that is the tactic. And then, Lord willing, we'll finally get into the history and how this began to take off and how do people literally decide, I'm going to drop this book, I'm not going to follow it, and I'm going to start listening to demons. There really was a time when that happened, and we'll trace that trail. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God out of love gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. 
Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place, so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. 
Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.